Welcome to the Elite Foundations podcast, how to build an elite foundation physically and mentally to win at life. No theory, just real world results. Your hosts are Dr. Emil, ex-emergency doctor, entrepreneur, and health coach, and myself, Itamar, ex-Israeli special forces, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. And today, Emil will be walking us through one of his case studies, Jack, and how basically his whole transformation went through. So, Emil, why don't you ring us in and tell us a little bit more about Jack? Yes, let's do this. So, Jack is, was, is a successful entrepreneur. He has a product business, he sells stuff uh, direct to consumer and on Amazon. And he built the business up to a level where it was running largely on autopilot. So this meant he had a lot of spare time and he was kind of enjoying life. Awesome. Great. He realized that health was something which was missing from his life and, and more particularly looking a certain way, you know, wanting to look good, feel good, feel confident. And then health was a facet of this as well. So that's the kind of context at which he reached out to me. Um, I worked with some of his friends, we got amazing results. So he, he came and said, right, let's do this thing. Now, when we started, I have a process for achieving results. I think we've discussed it on one of the previous podcasts. But essentially, the goal is to get someone from A to B as quickly and efficiently as possible, and also to teach them enough about kind of food and health and, and themselves so that they can sustain it long term. The actual goal of any program has to be long term sustainability. The initial fat loss phase, muscle building phase is just this short term temporary phase. But that's what everyone gets fixated on. So actually, the goal is maintenance long term, the rest of your life kind of thing. So we started working together. And it became very clear, very quickly, that Jack didn't want to change as in he wanted the outcomes, but he didn't want to do the things which were required to gain the outcomes. And for context, he was doing zero exercise. He never wanted to step in the gym in his life. He hated the idea of even considering it. Um, he was... Can I ask why? Sorry to drop but can I ask, is it, was it an insecurity the way he looked right now and he didn't want to like be embarrassed in front of other people, gym goers or... Why did he, because he, he's obviously a smart guy if he was able to build that business and he probably knew that he was going to have to change something. So what was going on there? Honestly? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think there's definitely an element, and this has actually come up more recently, definitely an element, an element of not liking to be shit at something, not going through this phase where you're very bad at something. You spend your whole life being good at something, right? As an entrepreneur, you're crushing it. You're, you're good at yeah. business. You're good at making money and people look up to you. And then when you start on the health journey, it's like, right, for the next six months, 12 months, two years, you're going to be shit at something and you need to still do it. So I think that was definitely yep. an element of it. But also, you know, he was like, I don't like the pain of training. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't feel good. I don't like sweating, all these kind of things. And I think these are stories that people tell themselves. I think these are potentially barriers that people are throwing up to something potentially deeper and underlying. But anyway, that was where we were at. And in terms of nutrition, he was eating out a lot, staying up late a lot, um, smoking weed, so then eating more because of that, munchies. And all of this 
was was obviously compounding the problem. And he also, so, so my method of doing things is to, to track data, to track information, to figure out where we can make changes which will have minimal impact on enjoyment. So maximize enjoyment while creating progress. And the only way to do that is by having some information about what's going on, right? So I laid this out and said, look, this is what, what, how I do it. This is what we need to do. Do some exercise, do, do some tracking and let's, let's go from there. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not keen to do any of that. <laughs> so I don't want to work out. I don't want to track what I'm doing, but I want the result. Yeah. So because I work so easy yeah, well, this is it. This is it. And to be fair, because I work with such a small number of people, I like these challenges. And because entrepreneurs are big for personal responsibility and, and you can be very blunt. And I was like, look, right, these are the laws of physics. This is what is required for you to achieve <laughs> the outcome that you have described that you want, which is lose a load of body fat, build a load of muscle, look a certain way. Now, tracking is one method of achieving this. There are other ways of doing it. They're a bit more hit and miss, but it's possible. So I kind of just laid it out super, super bare. And he was like, okay, we can we can start trying to do things. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it. And I said, okay, cool. Now, the only non-negotiable here is that you turn up to the weekly calls. Like, I almost don't care what else you do or don't do. Like, you need to show up to the weekly calls. And the reasoning... And that is... Gone. Thank you. Gonna, I was just going to ask why is that? It has to be the anchor. I was curious. Yeah, exactly. So, so the reasoning for that is that essentially what's happening is there are two processes going on. And the process that everyone fixates on is um, the fat loss or the muscle gain. That's the process that you can measure week to week that's kind of sexy, interesting. It's the one that all the marketing is geared towards. It's what you know all the fad diets promise. But actually, as I said at the beginning, that's not the goal. The goal is to reach your goal and then sustain it. And to sustain it, you need to shift your identity to a new person and a new lifestyle. And then your health and aesthetic and physique will be a product of that new lifestyle. So there's two things going on. One is the short-term fat loss process, which is generally speaking linear. And then you've got this behavior change process underlying, which is more of an exponential curve. And the exponential curve of behavior change is basically an accumulation of behaviors and habits, which at some point reach a critical mass or inflection point, which cause an identity shift. And that comes from James yeah. Clear. And his beautiful analogy of this is when you are melting an ice cube, say you go from minus 10 degrees Celsius and you start increasing the temperature, nothing happens physically to the ice cube, even though things are changing in the background. And even at minus one degree Celsius, nothing happens. And then as soon as you hit zero degrees, the ice cube starts to melt, or as soon as you get over zero degrees. So all that potential energy was kind of building up and then it started to make a difference. And this is exactly what happens in behavior change. And this is what I knew we could achieve through the calls. So I could start to put energy into the system. I could start to <laughs> elicit behavior change. And even though, gone. I know it's interesting because the way I'm thinking about it is what you're trying to do here is not change his external body, but change his internal body. And yeah. then the external body would be a byproduct of that. Correct. Like for example, if on me or you, if all of a sudden something happened and like you know, somebody could pile 50 pounds of fat on us, 
probably within a couple of months, we'd be back to who we are because of our habits and yep. how we behave and how we think about food and exercise and so on and so on. Yeah. So it, it makes sense to change that. That's the root of what's gonna, yep. gonna cause everything else. So that's actually what I want. That's, what that, that's actually what I'm providing when people sign up with me. But it's very much a case of sell people what they want, fat loss, give them what they need, identity yep. shift, behavior change. Because you the behavior change is such a boring thing to market and sell. So you kind of go with a flashy transformations, befores and afters, all this kind of stuff, and you draw people in and then you give them the real deal. So with Jack, it was a little bit yep. of a upside down thing in that we didn't see initial fat loss because he wasn't doing the things, but we were working on the behavior change, which actually in the bigger picture is absolutely fine. You know, we're almost practicing maintenance. We're practicing for the long-term goal before we've achieved it. And yeah. it's fine in theory. In practice, it's a little bit more difficult because it's really hard to be motivated to change if nothing visible, measurable is changing. So for eight weeks, nothing visual or measurable changed. His weight just kind of bounced. So how did he stay motivated? How did he stay committed to the process? I mean, obviously he trusted you because he saw the results you got for other friends of his, but how do you get somebody who's not motivated to do the work to then also be motivated to keep showing up and if he doesn't see results? So as I said, on the initial call, I said, look, this is possible. And as a, the only non-negotiable is to turn up to these calls. So it's like the absolute minimum amount of commitment. So look, once a week, show up to the call, we're gonna have a chat. Whatever happens beyond that happens, you know, it is what it is. You know what you need to do. So we're just gonna we're just gonna work through it. And you know, he committed to that. And you know, our calls are fun, like they're they're interesting. It's it's a good conversation. I'm not just lecturing about you know, nutrition science or anything. It's an it's an interesting conversation. And for eight weeks nothing happened, or nothing visible happened, but over that time. I was just working to open his mind up to the possibility that one, exercise might be fun. It might be something that he might do at some point in the future, because at the moment he was closed off to it. He was like, I'm never going to exercise. It's bullshit. And two, then just to try and build some habits that would start to move him into a calorie deficit, which would then cause him to start losing body fat. Because as I said, like what habits? Well, so what I said was, look, tracking is the quickest way of doing it. But all we need to do is be in a calorie deficit. And what I find with people is that people often eat mindlessly. They eat out of habits. They almost eat out of chimp brain. They eat because of a million and one reasons, none related to enjoyment or hunger. And enjoyment or hunger are the two kind of reasons that we should eat, right? Food is fun and it also fuels yeah. us. So what I started to do was try to get him to be more mindful when he was eating so that one, he was eating a bit less, but the way the angle that I go for is actually we're not, I'm not trying to stop you from eating. I'm trying to optimize your enjoyment. So when you have a liter of ice cream in front of you, you don't enjoy the whole thing. The first spoon, amazing. The second spoon, really good. By the 10th spoon, you're not even tasting it anymore. And your mouth is numb, like yeah. you're just eating out of mindless habit, like nothing is going in. So actually to optimize enjoyment, stopping at that 10th spoon and having another 10 spoons the next day would increase your enjoyment. You're not going to feel sh shit and sticky and, and bloated afterwards. You're not going to feel like shit the next day. So there's a lot of compelling reasons 
intrinsically to stop eating the ice cream. So using lots of little yeah, things like this, go on. If, if I make it, it makes sense, I think, to say that like, you get more bang for your buck, 100%. but it's even more than that because you also don't get the, the downside. It's not just more bang for your buck, but you also don't get the downside. That makes a lot of sense when you say it like it's that. It's a no-brainer. Like, I'm literally yeah. not telling people you need to eat less and restrict because you need to lose weight and it's hard and restrictive and, and shitty and, you know, you're not allowed to eat these foods. I'm like, look, my goal is to increase your enjoyment of life. And to do this, like, just consider, like, when people go to buffet breakfasts, right, in hotels, they eat until they feel freaking sick. And then it's like 11 a.m. and they're exhausted, tired, sweating, you know, they've got a whole day ahead of them and they're just like, <laughs> why the hell did you do that? You didn't enjoy that. You did it because it was free, which is pure scarcity it's mindset. Poverty mindset. Scarcity yeah, mindset, exactly. exactly. And it's just so ridiculous. But once you draw attention to it, call someone out for it, then they're like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, okay, well, eat whatever you want. But when you stop enjoying it, just stop, you know, and then have some more the next day and you'll enjoy it again. Yeah. So like little things like this. And, and again, I wasn't talking theoretically. It was like, okay, Jack, describe the last week. What happens? Oh, this happens and blah, blah. And, and we did this and we did that. And I was like, okay, tell me about, you know, ordering the, the ice cream at 2 a.m. And he was like, yeah, then this and this and it was good. And okay. And, and, you know, did you finish it? Yeah, I finished it. You know, why? Well, I just kind of kept going and then suddenly it was done. You know, and it was like, when did you stop enjoying it? So I'm trying to get it out of someone. I don't want to tell them stop eating ice cream because you stopped enjoying it. I want them to realize that. I want them to notice that. I want them to be like, huh, maybe I should stop. Maybe this isn't in my best interests. So basically, like, because I hear this a lot, they always tell people don't eat in front of the TV. Exactly. And basically what I'm hearing from you is that don't eat in front of the TV because that just numbs you and you're not able to really see in the moment. Am I enjoying this or not? You're just not focused on whatever's just like being shoveled into your mouth. That's kind of what this is, right? That's that's the classical example. You know, popcorn is a great one. Like in the cinema, you, you eat popcorn and you just kind of keep eating and you don't really taste it or notice it. You just smash through 2,000 calories of popcorn and it's like phew, disappeared. So Yeah, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, for I'll sure. Honest, I do that sometimes. No, no, we all do that. We all do that. And it's just about trying to almost curate your environment so that it doesn't happen while also being more mindful. Now, being mindful and present is difficult. Like, people dedicate their whole lives to this, right? So that's hard. That's like ninja level shit. The other way of doing it is to curate your environment. So I'm like, look, you're telling me that you feel like shit when you eat a liter of ice cream. So you don't want to do that. You're, this is what you're telling me. So maybe next time, order half a liter. So even if you do eat the whole thing, it's still less. You'll feel less shit afterwards. So now you're curating your environment to, to prevent these things happening. So anyway, all of these things were, were the things that I was coaching over the eight weeks and things were starting to, you know, come together. You know, another example, like what do you have for breakfast? X, Y, Z. Are you hungry at breakfast? No. Well, maybe consider don't having breakfast, you know, just super logical. I'm just going to throw it out there. Or what do you have for lunch? Oh, something, blah, blah, loads of olive oil, loads of hummus. Awesome you know, why? Oh, because I like it. You know, then what, what about the olive oil? Well, I just put it on because it's there. Well, you realize this is like 500 calories. It's like, oh, okay. Well, actually, I don't care about the olive oil. Maybe I'll put a bit less on or just maybe leave off the olive oil. So again, it's just drawing some, <sighs> shining a light on what's actually going on and seeing where we can trim stuff that doesn't matter. 
It's just intentionality, like not exactly. reduction of fun, exactly. but just being intentional, intentional about that. Yeah. So, so these are all the little habits, and you know, he's he started to like write some things in Apple Notes, just like a high level tracking of you know what he was eating, and again, it's just accountability. So it's just like okay, you know, I'm eating this. I'm just going to write it down, and it, and again, it's just about being present rather than being exactly perfect and specific. And a little other things, you know, maybe sleeping a little, little bit more, you know, going to bed a little bit earlier. Like, look, you spent, you know, your friends left at 2 a.m. and you spent two hours on your phone then. Maybe go to bed at 2 a.m. instead of 4. And, you know, again, this is a, a physiological hack in that when you sleep properly, you get more motivation, more willpower. You're more likely to exercise. You're less likely to crave shitty food. So, again, I'm just attacking this from multiple angles to just create this kind of internal environment where you're eating less and you're not reducing enjoyment. So after eight weeks, things started to move. So basically, sorry, I think this is important to say, basically what you're doing, you were killing his limiting belief that in order to lose fat, he's going to enjoy life less. 100%. That's really, 100%. That's really what it is. And that's, yeah, it's a really powerful thing to think. I think that's most people they are reluctant to. They're like, oh, I'm going to have to suffer now. I'm going to have to only eat broccoli. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually just some insight on that. The reason that people have that belief is because most diets instill that belief. And the reason they instill that belief is if you hit this process with a sledgehammer, then you'll potentially get super rapid, super spectacular fat loss. And that's very marketable. And that's very marketable, very sexy. People mm. love that shit, but they associate it with severe restriction, willpower, pain, whatever else. And it's just simply not true. And actually, I've seen people lose weight just as fast as even the most restrictive, pointless fad diet while eating ice cream. Because ultimately... Really? That, that I would never have guessed. Like, I know you're like a big proponent of ice cream, and I, and I agree that the sustainability is right, but I never would have guessed that what you said right now would be, would be possible. Truth. I mean, <laughs> honestly, look, the speed of fat loss is, is proportional to the calorie deficit that you're in. So the deeper the deficit, the more quickly you'll lose body fat. And, you know, if you go too deep, then it becomes infinitely more difficult. And obviously, if you have low calories and a large proportion of that is ice cream, then you're not getting a huge amount of nutrition or, or fullness from your food. So there's a balance to be had. But the other thing there to a degree is a lot of these processes especially ones which involve fasting juice fasting cutting out carbs they also cause an initial bump in weight loss which isn't body fat it's, water. it's literally water yeah. it's losing carbs from the muscles it's having a big shit and not replacing it and that people love that they're like i lost 20 pounds in a week and i'm just like yeah but the second you start eating food again you'll gain 20 pounds in a week yeah, it's like that's not weight loss, that's cutting weight. Like I always say, like in grappling, you know, like in wrestling, you just cut weight. The number goes down, but no extra fat is yeah. being lost, right? Um, and then the other thing with these, these fad processes is that you're not developing the underlying process. So the, the linear fat loss process happens as long as your willpower holds out. But because none of these methods are sustainable long term, the behavior change identity shift process doesn't happen. So you're not increasing the temperature of the ice cube. You're just basically hovering over it with a sledgehammer and then at some point just smashing it. And then you're like, well, fuck, everything's broken. So in terms of the actual process, what happens is you, you may or may not lose fat using a fad diet. 
But then when you get to maintenance, to the long-term maintenance, which is the real goal of this, you have no idea how to do it. You're almost starting from zero in terms of behavior change. And that's difficult because you have all these limiting beliefs which have been enforced by this restrictive fad diet, which have been like literally amplified. And you get out of your fat loss phase, which you may or may not have succeeded in, but whether your willpower was strong enough or not, whether you were, you know, if life allowed it to happen. Um, And you have absolutely no idea how to sustain it. You've not learned anything. You're terrified of carbs and eating and and a million and one other things. And you're, of course, you're going to rebound. Of course, you're going to go back to zero. The way I look at it is what we talked about in the previous episode, this kind of astronaut syndrome when people outlive their goal and then they just don't know what to do. And especially if it makes sense, like if you're trying to go towards this goal and you're putting all your willpower into it and just getting down to this number that... Yeah, if it's not that in a sustainable way and you're just dealing with willpower, once you get there, you're going to have this kind of big adrenaline dump and you're just going to be like checking out. 100%. And then you're going to bounce back. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. There's so, I can see there's that. so many psychological uh, processes for when you hit your goal and lose that motivation. And that's an issue even if you do it in the most sensible, sustainable way ever. So this is what I say when I, when I say to people, look, Fat loss isn't the goal here. The goal is once you get to your goal to sustain it. So I'm badgering people about the long term from the beginning. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, look, the fat loss is a foregone conclusion. It'll happen. I just want to make sure that when you get to the the end point, whatever that is, that you're prepared and it's a soft landing. And one, we've done it in a sustainable way. So you've moved up the behavior change curve to this inflection point and identity shift and two that you're prepared for this huge loss of motivation this huge loss of psychological drive that inevitably occurs and there's multiple ways of doing that and you know that's not the focus of this episode but that's a huge focus of my coaching because i want people to get to their goal and then stay there forever more it's not just about you know smash smashing the ice cube with a sledgehammer dropping 20 pounds and then take the before and after and then leave you to languish and, and <laughs> get get fat yeah. again and then whatever so let me ask this what, what were jack's actual results where did he start from where did he end up at so I, I i use jack's example a lot for eight weeks nothing happened um he was hovering around 92 kilos which in pretend money is just over 200 pounds right <laughs> that was a dig at our american friends yeah i can't i can't deal with with uh, imperial units um i can but they just they make no sense so then he lost 20 kilos or four, over wow. 40 pounds over the kind of preceding or coming months and on top of that he got to his goal about 72 kilos just over 70 kilos and then sustained it because we worked together for a period after that. And not only just sustained it, he sustained it while traveling. He, he got stuck right back into his business. So super, super stressful period of time. And I'm, uh, so business events, travel, uh, business stress, socializing, all the things. And he sustained the weight, the weight loss and the lifestyle. And on top of that, he now trains three times a week in the gym. And loves it. Wow. And he does this while traveling. Right. He does this, he does this off his own back, 
like you know for a period we had weekly checking calls just to make sure everything was on track and i almost didn't even have to remind him or prompt him or tell him he was just like yep yeah, i've booked in this day this day this day it's in my calendar to train i'm going to do this this and this i'm starting to look and feel really really good i love this amazing literally the optimal outcome nice and one of the reasons was that we spent time at maintenance at the beginning and, and kind of in the middle and then at the end where he learned what maintenance meant. He learned how to do it. He learned how to incorporate all of the things he enjoyed in life, like ice cream, like, you know, smoking weed, like traveling, like all these things, how to optimize for enjoyment while progressing towards his goal, while building a lifestyle and identity, which will sustain that goal long into the future. Nice, man. That's a really cool story. Can I give you kind of my main takeaway? Please, please. To kind of take it, to wrap it up, let's call it. So, and I think it's interesting because we've never actually talked about it like this, but I think the reason we both were, we kind of really respect what each other do is because it's very similar from a principle level. We don't try to create an outcome. We try to create an individual that is capable of creating that outcome continuously. Yep. And it's not a surface level like hack for you, for people just go on fat diets, lose yeah. 20 kilos, and like immediately bounce back. For me, it's not any of these, you know, like priming techniques or any hacks to think positively in the moment. And that's a really interesting thing because I can see why we why we immediately connected because we kind of recognize that in each other probably. Um, but yeah, that's the main thing is to not get someone to lose weight. It's to get someone to become the kind of person who would be healthy regardless of their weight. And then if there's a gap between the who they are because of who they've transformed into and their weight because they're overweight, that'll just shrink into who they are. That's always going to be what wins. Yeah. Um, and the last kind of minor one is just being intentional about what you're doing and optimizing through intentionality, not just aimlessly eating away, but just thinking what is the point of not just diminishing returns, but negative returns. Yeah. And most people just have never given the time to think about that because it's not something we're, we're taught to do in school or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah, that was my, my main two, man. Well, I say to people, look, if you were entirely present, you wouldn't need a coach because you would stop when you were full. So that's, you know, that's being mindful, that's being in the moment. And that's a practice that we all need to get better at for multiple reasons. It, you know, covers all life's domains. Let's work on that because it's important. But in the meantime, you know, we kind of want to do the things which will make this an easy process. And as you say, become the person to have the outcome, to, to achieve the outcome. So give me an actionable, like, how can, how can I do this, for example? Like, if you tell me right now, okay, Edomar, you're probably not super optimized or intentional about this. How would I go about just upping that one notch in my life, so to speak? So I'll give two things. One, start to build positive habits they can be the smallest things in the world and actually smaller is better because they will accumulate and compound and it will feel like nothing is happening which is why it's important for them to be integrated and small like if you try this huge habit which takes three hours every morning it's going to take eight months before you feel any different so it's not going to stick so start small build it up allow the compounding to happen it's like investing money and looking at your portfolio every day and nothing changes it's like yeah you just need to do it and forget about it and just let it happen. And then the other thing is to, when you're eating foods, 
I like to split meals into fuel meals and feast meals. And fuel meals are kind of the meals that you eat mm. day to day on the fly. You know, then yeah, the, it's not that they're not tasty, but they're just they're not super social. You're kind of eating on your own, maybe lunch in the office, that kind of thing. And for those meals, keep them lean, focus on nutrition. They can be tasty, but don't waste loads of time making it excessive because the chances are you're going to eat it relatively mindlessly, relatively quickly. And then the other meals are feast meals. And these are the meals that you're setting out to enjoy. And these are the meals where you really want to double down on enjoying them. So be present, like make intentional choices of what you want. Don't let scarcity mindset kick in. Don't think I need to eat as much food as possible because this is the only time I'm ever going to go to this restaurant. It's like, it's not, you can go every freaking day and eat until you feel full, stop and then finish. That will optimize your enjoyment. So for feast meals, for meals that you want to enjoy and be social and whatever, then make sure you enjoy them. And to do that, you be present. And just just an addition there, you'll find that you might do this tonight. You go out for food and do this exact thing. You'll you'll be aware of it and you, you'll still overeat. That's absolutely fine. That's the first step. The key there is awareness and then not judging yourself, not beating yourself up. There's no need. Just reflect on what happened and how you can change it next time and then the next meal tomorrow you'll do the exact same thing you'll be aware and you'll overeat and that's fine don't judge and reflect and iterate and over time it might take 10 it might take 100 but you'll nail it you'll figure it out you'll be aware you'll take action you'll make a change celebrate that win and you only need to make that change once and if it takes 100 times in a whole year great it's one year in your whole life now you've nailed it and once you've nailed it, the rest of your life is suddenly unlocked and enjoyable and easy and effortless. And this is like, you know, achievement unlocked, right? That's my advice. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Just, yeah, like how I would say is you're not going to be a black belt overnight just because you want to be a black belt yeah. with this nutrition thing and it's not going to happen overnight. And, and I love the, just having a term that, you know, okay, am I in fuel mode yeah. or am I in feast mode? Just being aware and to say, okay, well, if I'm in fuel mode, I shouldn't be doing this. Or if I'm in feast mode, I can be doing that. It just, it makes it so much easier. I think that, for me, honestly, that's a takeaway. I never thought about it like that. That I'll be asking myself, is this a fuel meal or a feast meal? Even when I'm, let's say, at a conference yeah. where I do want to enjoy more, but like I can't, you can't have a feast meal for three days straight, yeah. all your meals. So you can say at night, it's going to be a feast meal when I go with everybody and enjoy. But in the morning and in the, in the lunchtime, it's going to be a fuel meal to get me through the conference so I can enjoy the people and optimize yeah. for that. So, yeah, that was my main takeaway, man. Yeah. Great stuff. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And, and, I mean, not to keep going, but the black belt analogy is great. People get into health and they think it's some easy thing that they can nail overnight. And they don't appreciate that it's a huge freaking life domain that is a skill like any other. And it takes time to get good at it. You don't go into a dojo and expect to be kicking the black belt's ass within three months or six months. So why the hell do people expect to be amazing at health in three months or six months? Like it's a new skill, you're shit at it. The most you've done is read blogs on the internet about it. So you know zero. So, you know, <laughs> be vulnerable, be open to being shit, yeah. be open to the fact it's going to take time, celebrate the little wins and stick to it. That's just how it works. Like anything in life that's worth having. I think that's a great way to close up the show. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you guys. Uh, enjoyed sharing that story with you and I'll see you on the next podcast. 
Yeah, and the next one will be doing one of my case studies about how to overcome imposter syndrome in a, a case from one of the guys that was in the arena. My group program is a six-week sprint. He was really, really good at what he did professionally, and he got people amazing results, and he was on this baseline of 5K a month, and he literally just needed to unleash certain things in his mind, and I was able to go from that to 70K in six weeks in a very sustainable way. So we'll be talking about that. It'll be some uh, interesting stuff about his story personally and also just in general, how to overcome imposter syndrome and actually get what you deserve, what you've earned. Wow, I'm looking forward to that. Five to 70K, boom, let's do it. See you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye.